Good afternoon, traders. Uh, thanks for joining us today. It is 12.01 p.m. Chicago time on Thursday, the 26th of May, 2022. Just a quick mic check from you all. Just let me know that you can hear me nice and clear, whether on GoToMeeting or on YouTube. Uh, I have Landau here from Convergent Trading, who's going to keep an eye on your YouTube questions. For this session, we're covering an anatomy of a trade. We're going to be talking about today. It's going to be very topical, timely, and I'm going to run through the process of uh, soup to nuts, what today looks like. It happens to be that today's just one of those days, unfortunately. For those who've been following for a while, you know that today is just the kind of day that I don't like to trade, just a straight up day. Um, I want to remind you that derivatives trading is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. Here's what we're going to cover today. Here I am, a little close, I would say. Um, so what we're going to cover today here is what do we expect you to absorb? What is it that we expect you to walk away with? Uh, after we are done here, I want to make sure that you get a lot of value for the time that you're spending here. We're going to talk about establishing the context, the narrative. We're going to talk about the trader bite. Uh, if you're not aware, I do a video at 9 a.m. or I try to start at 9 a.m. every day uh, that uh, there is a trading day on YouTube. It's free for you to watch, not expecting anything from you, in which we establish the context and the narrative. Uh, for the day based on what has happened in prior days. Uh, then we're going to talk about assessing the open. Okay, so we've got our plan. We've looked at the overall market condition and everything. We've got our, we, we're, we're opening. And so now what do we, uh, how do we assess the quality of the open? How do we then look at the auction? You know, what is the bias? How is it rotating? All that stuff. Then we're going to talk about structuring a trade management plan. How am I going to manage the trade? Is it what size stop am I going to have for this particular product? Uh, what is the um, what should my targets be? What is statistically significant uh, in terms of how things should be structured? And then we're going to talk about identifying our setup and stock in the trade. There were maybe two trades today that could be could have been taken. Fortunately, not a again um, did not participate at all live today. No trades for the day, but we can go through them piece by piece so you can see what's going on. And then we're going to talk about executing using order flow. What am I looking for in the structure of the order flow? There's a lot that's going to be covered here that a lot of people pay a lot of money for. Uh, so pay attention. You, you're obviously um, more than welcome to go back to the YouTube uh, video and rewatch it and see if you can hone in or at least take some items out of this for your uh, trading to make it better. And then finally, we're going to talk hey, Mark, about managing. It, look, yeah. it looks like we're having an echo on YouTube. You might have to stop the uh, the broadcast of uh, what's coming in your ear going out. Oh, I see. Do we still have an echo on YouTube? Can you guys let us know, test it? They're a little bit delayed, so we'll have to wait on them. Is it fixed, guys? Okay, what about, okay, very good. 
So not sure why YouTube is getting that feed. I need to work that out. But um, okay. Uh, okay, very cool. So uh, the last thing is managing and closing the trade. There are some elements that I want you to 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 look at. Again, ask questions as we're go as we're going along, and uh, Landau is going to try to uh, intervene to. Um, uh, to ask the questions as we go, because once I move past them, it's very hard. Uh, it's very hard for me to go back and figure out what I said in this particular moment and so on. So I'm going to run through the kind of the structure of this uh, with you. And then we're going to we're going to dive right into looking at the market and assessing what the overall picture is. So what do we expect you to absorb? We want you to get a clearer look at what it really takes um, to trade. So a lot of people have an, an idea of what trading looks like. They might have watched someone on YouTube or, or, or maybe something in a movie or whatever. And they ha I want to I want to impact that. I want to change it and make it so that you are much more prepared, much more realistic about the type of work that needs to be done in order to hopefully realize some success from trading. It isn't about pulling up a platform and just clicking a button. There's a lot that goes into it. Our goal is to have a strong hand in the market so that when we are trading, we, uh, uh, we are able to hold our trades per plan and, and we're able to follow the process, which is very, very difficult. We want to walk away with a better feel for what this, how much takes place in order for you to compete on a field that everybody's competing on. We're all trading in one place, especially in futures. So I want to make sure that as you walk away from this discussion, that you're doing a better job preparing yourself. Establishing the context and narrative. This is where the trader, trader bike comes in. You can find the trader bike by going to youtube.com forward slash futures trader 71. And that'll take you to the page and you will be able to see, you know, I suggest you subscribe uh, to the feed and then uh, and then um, select to get notifications for every morning's video. Uh, these are done live, but you can watch them at any point in the day after that. They remain on my YouTube channel. Um, so the Trader Byte is basically going through the homework, going through the statistics that are relevant for the session, uh, setting up where the market has been and so on. We use the pre-market summary sheet, which is a convergent trading feature. Many of you have seen this, um, have seen this chart, uh, have seen this table, and basically what this is taking into account is all the all the data that we're putting together to form our bias for the session. The top right corner is very important in that we're coming in with an idea of what the overnight posture is. The overnight posture encompasses what has happened in Asia and what has happened in Europe. So now. The market had been trading, by the time we come in, the market had been trading for about 14, 15 hours at that point. Um, and, and so we come in and, and a lot of that is lagging. You know, Asia and Europe is responding to something that happened to the, in the US yesterday, or there's something going on in the world where they are leading. That relationship changes from, um, from time to time, depending on what's driving the narrative. But we come in today, we had a mild risk on sentiment. Um, we come in, we look at, you know, what are the key earnings that are coming in before the market that might influence how the indices trade? What are the, what's coming in after the market in terms of earnings? What are the key 
elements or news events that are impacting today's uh, trading. Uh, retail this morning uh, was was really outperforming. Retail was being scooped up and was very very strong. Macy's and others had reported, um, and you know the Fed hike expectations were dampening, were getting lower. If you look at the futures. Um, the Fed fund rate futures going out to November, December, you'll see that the market is really pricing pricing in fewer um, interest rate hikes than prior, uh, previously discussed. So that's going to have a, a positive impact. And then in addition to that, we're looking at, um, uh, and the other piece today was uh, China was really taking a softer stance on the COVID. Uh, shutdowns and lockdowns, which are impacting supply, shutting down Shanghai, Shanghai's uh, ports and things like that. We're going to look at what the key calendar events are today, pending home sales. Uh, GDP had already come out uh, and was slightly worse, but uh, the market discounted it and so on. And then the other pieces on this chart, other than, you know, the, the, um, the quotes, the live quotes that you see in front of you of the various futures contract contracts, there's also a section in the middle that outlines some key statistics for the S&P, NASDAQ, uh, Russell, YMCL. These are the rotational numbers. Uh, we'll talk about those in more detail in a little bit. And then the middle section in the middle of the page is the overnight status of the ES. What is the, the auction condition? Is it uh, trending? Is it sideways? Is it multi-distribution? Is it balanced? That it really impacts how we come into the market. And then how much volume had traded in the overnight session that tells us a lot about how active the overnight session is combine that with the inventory overnight it tells us how the general participation is skewed coming into the day session uh, in addition to that the range for the session tells us a little bit about how active the auction is how far it has come up and down uh, for the session and in general as a rule of thumb um, the wider the overnight range, the most likely wider the day session. You can you can take the overnight range, which is expected at the most common or the mode of the overnight ranges over the last 252 trading sessions, which is about a year, uh, is 23 and a half points. That's the most common value. Uh, overnight sessions can be as wide uh, the overnight session range can be as wide as 45 and a quarter. More statistics right down here. More statistics, 45 and a quarter. And as soon as it exceeds 45 and a quarter, then it turns blue. That box turns blue. It's telling us it's more than one standard deviation or one sigma. And then by definition, that means there's unusual participation in terms of range. And that really um, tunes us into the fact that we are likely to get a pretty wide-ranging day, uh, pretty wide-ranging day coming into the session. So this is what the CT pre-market summary sheet uh, uh, is about. You can find the sheet uh, if you're part of Convergent Trading. It's posted to the Head Trader channel uh, before the Trader Byte every day. And it, but you can also find the sheet by going to twitter.com forward slash conv trading. You can see that in the bottom right corner of your screen, you'll see the Twitter handle and you can find the sheet posted, um, you know, static. Of course, it's just an image uh, before the trader bite. You can find that there and you can get an idea of, you know, the, those those different points. What's 
what's driving is energy driving or metals driving is money being allocated to notes or treasuries or is it being allocated to indices which is more risk on uh, how are the currencies doing how the do how's the dollar doing how's crypto doing and so on and so on and so forth so this is a big piece of the trader bite and uh, it's covered during the trader bite so this is from this morning this is the live video from this morning you can see I start out, you know, the first five minutes or so, or so are spent on the sheet. This is what the sheet looked like at about 8.05 a.m. Chicago time, 9.05 Eastern. We're coming into the session, and then we start to talk about what to expect. So these are, this is the process. This is the beginning of the anatomy. So you can see this process is not just fire up your platform you know, find some size to lean against and, against and trade. There's a lot more, and I'm not trying to make this theoretical or too talky, but the fact is there's a lot to cover here uh, before we even click the mouse. Clicking the mouse is kind of like the the, the last thing. It's, it's a, you know, the analogy would be uh, like cooking. Uh, there's a whole lot of time spent uh, determining what the recipe is going to be, then you need to go to the shop, uh, to the to the supermarket and buy the groceries. Then you need to bring those groceries back. Then you need to wash them and prepare them, prepare your meats and vegetables and whatever else goes into the recipe. Um, and, and, and now you need to uh, cook it in the right sequence uh, with the right amount of ingredients you need to measure ingredients and so on and so forth and then after it's cooked you need to put it on a plate serve it to yourself so you can eat most people talk about eating the meal there's a whole lot you know 95% you could spend 6 hours putting together a meal that you'll eat in 10 minutes and a lot of the emphasis in trading because of marketing because of just human nature a lot of the emphasis is on how it tastes and the success of the actual eating part of the meal. Trading is much the same. Everybody wants to talk about order flow and execution. What do you do in this situation? What do you do in that situation? But there's a lot that needs to be put together before that happens, and that's what we're going over. But we'll also going, go over the execution part, the eating part. So understanding the elements of the sheet we just covered we covered that absorbing the story and the likely place for the day so that because that's part of this video we we review what happened yesterday sometimes i'll even review what i expected versus what happened what went wrong and so on what did not work what are the key elements of yesterday's um yesterday's trading that that are likely to carry over into the session so i'm covering a lot i'm looking at how the market transitioned on the composite. So I'm looking at a daily chart that goes back at least a year, looking at the transition on a weekly and a monthly basis. That's what these boxes are. Let's bring it back. That's what these boxes are, these gray and dark, uh, dark gray boxes are. Uh, they represent a month. Every color change represents a month and every box represents a week. You know, how's the auction proceeding? And you can see today's auction uh, before the open, <clears throat> including what happened yesterday, that we're in the middle of this last week's range. Uh, we are stuck in the middle, and uh, and you need to take that into account. So that's part of the narrative. So I talk about this, and I, I highlight again that 4015 is a key number that we are likely to hit 
from where we're trading at the time. We're trading at 39.90, about 25 points away. 40.15 has been something that I've been mentioning for the last couple of days. We uh, we look at the overall trend, the volume profile of it. I also spend a portion of the session talking about the market profile portion of it. How's the structure from a market profiling perspective look like? Are we filling in single prints and so on and so forth? And then all of that gets distilled into the expectations portion, which then highlights what are the key plans for today? So that brings us to the, the, the expectations and scenarios. So on this table here, that brings us to the second to last bullet, setting and setting expectations. Sorry, that's a misspelling there. Setting expectations through scenarios and plans. So before trading, we have to make sure that we've got some sort of an idea of what the market is likely to do. Okay, Landau, are we getting any questions on YouTube? It's awful silent. Yeah, we got a question about it's a little bit outside of the scope of the discussion today. It's about the calculating the regular trading hour daily range. Um, so he's just asking how how is it actually calculated? He understands what it is, but how is it calculated? Got it. Um, it's calculated. It's very simple. I'll show you on the platform here. Here, I'll show you what I'm looking at. So I have a chart of the daily bars. These are RTH bars. So the RTH for me is what is, let me pull up the whiteboard. Forgot to bring in the whiteboard. Just one second. Boom. Okay, let's lock that baby in. So. I want to highlight that I'm looking at 8.30 to 3 p.m. Chicago time. So that's 9.30 to, um, to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So each bar represents the stock market session. Those bars are shown here with a volume profile. Underneath, I've got um, a histogram that is plotting the range of each one of these bars. So if I hover over today, I get an RTH range so far of 85.75 points. So that range is being then translated into a histogram to the right. So let's make these bigger. So that range is being translated into a distribution right here. And then we're looking for the mode and the high, uh, the first sigma of that distribution. What this is telling me is based on, including today, it, uh, it's it's it is it is it is looking back at all of these ranges and it's plotting a histogram to the right. So you're looking at a histogram to the right and then it's plotting one sigma or one standard deviation, and the edge of that one standard deviation is this number right here. It's the 70th percentile, technically it's 68.2%, represents one standard deviation. So the, the 
what this is saying is statistically speaking, going back 252 days, so each bar represents an RTH session, which is a regular trading hour, which is now defined, which is now defined as the stock or the equities uh, session. So I'm eliminating the Asian session, the European session, what happens in the last hour before the futures close, all of that is out of the question. I'm only, because the ES is based on 500, a little more than five, like 504 large cap stocks whose key session is the Wall Street session, the stock session, the equity session, I'm only looking at that. Yes, the S&P is open before and after, but I'm only looking at what is going on when it's being arbitraged and it actually represents the stocks that it's built on, that it's derived from, it's a derivative. So we're looking at 252 days. If we look at 252 days, then I can see that the, the, um, the expected or the high end of the distribution is 70 points. So I'm ex I, I can project that in most cases, I should expect 70 points given the most recent information and the most likely period, which shifts here because of the way this profile is, um, the, most likely, uh, the most likely value right now is about 16 points, which is not true, but I don't really care about that value too much in a day session. We do the same thing for volume. So this is the volume of every RTH bar and then we plot what that volume is on this distribution. You can see it's uh, it's got a couple of a couple of fat tails there. But in general, what this is saying is that the the normal volume for the S&P is up to 1.5 million contracts during the RTH or the equity session, okay, the stock session. Uh, so. I can expect up to 1.5 million. So as the market trades, and I see that we've crossed two and a half million, three million, this is this is an important alert that there's some real participation going on. And today, although we still have about two and a half hours of trading, today it's got very poor participation. So this is really climbing, what this is saying is the market is really climbing on relatively lackluster volume, given that the bulk of the volume occurs in the first hour and a half of trading and the rest of it occurs in the last hour or so. Today's performance is relatively low. It's only traded so far in RTH. The S&P has only traded 679,000 contracts, that number right here, okay? That's really, uh, pretty thin, so it's moving up on kind of thinner volume. But I can project what those are. So that's those are the statistics I'm talking about. I went into too much depth there. I apologize for that. But so the next thing we need to do is let the market tell us what it really wants. And how do we determine that? How do we know how to let the market tell us what it really wants? So we're coming in and we've got a plan, right? We've looked at what the market has done, what it is likely to do, what's pushing things, you know, um, are we expecting the Fed this afternoon? Is there something that's driving the market? Did Snapchat drop 40% that it's weighing on the NASDAQ? Whatever. That's the pre-market. The next thing we need to look at is 
unfortunately I have to pause for a second and, and remind you that this is covered, this stuff is covered every day, all day uh, within Convergent Trading, including um, mostly twice a week webinars. We, we cover a lot of this stuff in our trade talks and our study halls. We do a public webinar a month and this is what you're attending. But I would encourage you to support and join in and really start trading like a professional by going to go to ct.pro forward slash join and just take a month. And it's not because I want your uh, money for a month, but I would really like you in it just because you're here and you're making an effort to trade. I would like you to take a look at how professional head traders, myself and three others, are approaching the market on various products and how we are trading the market when there is something to trade. Okay, so you can go to go to ctpro.pro uh, forward slash join. With this, you get uh, a live news squawk, you get the market stats reports, you get a whole bunch of stuff. So that was the shameless plug part of this that I'm obligated to talk about. And so that's done. So again, let's go to ct.pro forward slash join. So now we're assessing the open. What, where are we opening? How are we opening? Uh, what happened right, uh, right at the open? What kind of action did we get right at the open? I'm going to run through this with you on the chart for today. And we're going to look at how things are setting up, how they did set up. And hopefully we can set up a trade into the close. We're going to talk about uh, uh, is there a direction today? Definitely very strong bias, a positive bias. How well are buyers moving price? Pretty well. What about sellers? Uh, is it balanced? Is it um, does it have a tail? Did it did it push away from the open and is sitting sideways? Uh, or you know, uh, is it a positive tail? Is it a buying buying tail? Is it a selling tail? Uh, did we trade a lot and then we're forming a tail at, at the closing? Uh, part of the session, which means something completely different. But on the open, this is our first chance to see how all the homework we did is now coming together to give us an indication of what the sentiment is. And we want to trade with the stronger sentiment. That's our goal. Our goal is not to pick tops and bottoms. Those who do generally don't survive the business. Our goal is to align ourselves with what is uh, likely to transition smoothly or carry our trades forward, okay? The next thing we're looking at is assessing the current auction. So let's look at the market-generated information. Where are we relative to, you know, one of the things that's covered here on the open is where are we relative to the overnight session? Are we in the middle of the profile of the overnight profile? Are we on top of the... VWAP, are we in the middle of the range? So are we on top of the mid? Are we on the edge? Uh, how did that form? How's the high? How's the low in the overnight session? What's the volume of the overnight session? But when, when the open comes along, we want to compare the open to what's happened overnight. Do we Are we opening on the edges or in the middle of the overnight session? And then we want to look at where are we opening versus yesterday's auction? Because yesterday's auction we were here for and it priced in something. Where are we opening relative to that to that auction? In addition to that, we're looking at where are we opening versus last week's auction. So where are we in last week's range? Where are we against last week's point of control? 
these give us clues as to what the market's posture is okay so uh that the where are we at the open is very important how are we opening is very important is it an open test drive is it an open auction are we just going back and forth are we did we push down and then just get rejected and we're pushing the other way which is kind of which is the kind of open that we had today um are we opening in a gap are we opening inside and so on and so forth is their direction these are all important market generated indications as to how things are postured so next we're going to compare the current action to the vwap in the mid and i look at both the RTH or the, the day session mid and VWAP, as well as the full session mid and VWAP, they have different importance on different days. Um, and so it's, it's, it's key to um, use those as key references. Okay. How are we treating the prior day's key levels? How are we treating the prior day's close? The prior settle, there's a prior settle statistic. There's also an overnight stat, a high and a low uh, stat for the overnight session. There's there's a uh, an overnight point of control stat that we're looking to trade against. These are all leaning on probabilities. We're simply taking our conversion trading market stat reports and stats that we talk about all the time, and we are Impo superimposing our idea of what's likely to happen based on those uh, statistics. Then we're looking at the quality of rotations, the harmonic rotations. Are we are we more volatile than yesterday? Are we the same? Are we rotating better on on the buy side with shallow pullbacks, which would be today? I'll go over that with you. How's the volume delta? I'll go over that with you. What is our current bias? So based on all this information, where we open, how we open. Uh, where we are relative to VWAP and mid and how we're treating yesterday, you know, are we respecting the prior day's levels? This tells us that short time frame traders are in control versus, you know, they're ramming right through these levels like they did today, which tells us there's bigger uh, player, there are bigger players in control. And so we need to make sure we back up a little bit and we don't stand in their way because they don't really care about our, you know, 38.2% fib or whatever 50% fib or they don't really care about our initial balance and so on and so forth they're just there doing business uh, in large volume and to them a 15 30 point range doesn't really mean anything so we're we're tracking how the prior days key levels are being treated the prior weeks key levels are being uh, treated uh and then based on all of that we are forming a bias. Now, this sounds painstaking, and it sounds like a lot of work, and it can be. I'm saying all this at the same time, I'd like you to think of simplicity in a way. Here's the thing. When we learn to drive, we have to track our, our speed. We have to make sure we have enough fuel. We got to check our mirrors on the inside and the outside. We have to make sure that we're aware of the lines on the road, we have to be make sure we're aware of the road signs, uh, street signs, so we know where to turn and whatnot, uh, traffic lights. We also need to be aware of pedestrians, pets, children, um, cross traffic, 
uh, what other uh, what other drivers are doing. So that seems like so much. Imagine programming a robot to take all of that in and participate and anticipate what other drivers are doing so that you know when to start braking, when to start accelerating, when to start turning, and so on and so forth. That seems incredibly complex. But I'm sure almost all of you drive and you do this thoughtlessly and you do this effortlessly. And this is the same. This is the same. At first blush, as you're going through it, it seems like, holy cow, this is so complicated. Why is this so complicated? And why is there the wrong title on this thing? Um, uh, sorry, that's uh, sloppy of me because, you know, I'm just rushing through things, unfortunately. Um, one second. Sorry about that, guys. So uh, it all seems to overwhelm, but uh, I want you to remember that we're kind of, we're doing this in a uh, very dynamic way and, and through practice and through repetition, it just becomes something you just do uh, completely, um, completely thoughtlessly. Uh, so th that's the end goal here. Uh, sorry, I'm just unfortunately having to do this it's a uh, very unprofessional but it is what it is this is what i've got and i have to deal with it okay so um so we formed this bias the next thing is we want to structure our trade so let's flip to the platform so i've set this um workspace up with what what i've been recommending to traders which is um to stop trading the minis, trade the micros, whatever, trade the micros on CME futures, trade the nanos and micros on Ferex or SMFE or whatever, just trade the smaller products. The structure that we created when the micros came out is a three lot, which is a third of less, which is 30% of one ES contract to trade a three lot and to have a very specific uh, uh, structure, uh, tr uh, management structure for the trade. So our stops and targets have to be reasonable within the current auction. And the way we know this is because we are uh, tracking our uh, rotations all the time. And every week I update these rotational stats and I post them to the members here i'll show you what that looks like i'll share that with you here here's what it looks like so these are the rotations from sunday night's homework um and what this is saying is an impulse is now 19 and a half points in the es 76 points in the nq uh, impulse up impulse down is 20 points the normal rotation is 12 and a quarter points. Normally, that normal rotation is about three points historically. Imagine that's a lot more volatility than we've had in the past. Uh, so it's 12 and a quarter and 13 and a quarter down, 12 and a quarter up, 13 and a quarter down. The pullback statistics, 27 ticks. So based on that, what I'm doing is I'm compensating for additional volatility and additional risk by creating 
a structure for my trade based on those uh, based on those statistics. Again, uh, I'm looking at, you know, uh, I expect that once I get in, I expect that there's a high probability I would get around 12 points. Uh, I expect that I shouldn't be trading, shouldn't be taking trades that put my stop bigger than uh, four and a half points or so in the current environment and so on and so forth. And what I do is I program those right into the platform. Okay, this is what I would recommend. So for the ES, current, the current, based on the rotational statistics, the current stop is 4.16 ticks. So one third, so these have to add up to 100%. These here have to add up to 100%. So one third goes to 16, 16, 16. I'm using an equal stop. And then I'm also scaling out for the same value as a stop. So I'm taking one off at 16 ticks. My stops are at 16 ticks. Once I take one off at 16 ticks, I still have risk on the table because I have two contracts left. Okay, and I I have 16 ticks worth of risk. I should have asked you the question about how much risk is left. But if I take one contract for 16 ticks, I have 16 ticks remaining because it cancels one, and I have 16 ticks that I that are uncovered. The next statistic is basically my uh, pullback statistic, which is one half of one full rotation, 28 ticks. Once I get the 28 and the 16. My trade is in the money. I have made money and now I'm going for an impulse. This is how I have it set up. And this 83 tick uh, target is adjusted if necessary, but generally I just let it sit and the market will eventually get there if I caught the right bias and trend. So I'm sharing with you here how this three lot micro structure looks like within the strategy. So if I put a trade on, so if I hover here and I go, make sure you selected three lots. I've, I have this set to cross trading. So I'm looking at an ES chart, but I'm trading on the MES. And so if I put a, a trade on here at um, 40.55, it automatically puts my stops and executes them accordingly. Okay. So that's my structure. And every week, the the volatility changes it used to be a lot wider. I used to have to go to like six point stops, but every week that volatility changes and I'm adjusting within reason. I'm adjusting my stops versus my targets and I'm doing the math. So this particular slide is talking about structuring trade management, how you set your stops and targets. The, 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 the behind the scenes, there is math going on here. And the math is such that I want to set up my risk to have two, a 2R factor or better. Meaning, if I get my 16 tick um, risk target, so I'm scaling out, and I get my 28 tick risk uh, 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 scale out target, and I get my 83 tick um, extension or runner, the total that I get from that trade is offsetting three lots at 16 ticks, right? So I need I needed to offset 48 ticks 
and I expect to collect at least two R. So I'm looking for 96 ticks for 80 for 48 ticks of of um, of risk. But the way I have it structured, it's around 2.67% with the scale outs. And in general, I don't hit a full I hit a full stop about a third or less of the time. So I don't need to worry about while well, you're taking out scales, but you're catching a full stop. That argument, it doesn't really hold water for me. But overall, this is the part where we're structuring the trade. And like, like I said, now I don't have to worry. I've I've accounted for the volatility for the for the week. If the volatility expands dramatically, then I change, I rerun those stats, I post them in the head trader channel, let everybody know that the stats have changed dramatically to adjust. Like if all of a sudden the market starts really moving, volatility starts increasing, then we all increase our our stops and targets, uh, but also have to account for how much of our account are we uh, risking on each individual trade. So, hey, Maura, can you can you cover again? uh why when you take your first scale out how your risk is only 16 ticks we have somebody saying you have two two more lots on so isn't it 32 ticks uh that you still have at risk but i've already taken 16 ticks right so i've banked 16 ticks so now i have two left at 16. my 16 ticks are offsetting one of those two contracts 16 ticks so i'm left with one count contract that's uncovered at 16 ticks. Does that make sense? Yep, perfect. Um, if there's an echo, I have to turn on um, I have to turn on Landau on the uh, YouTube stream. So there may be an echo for a minute there. Um, so the the idea is to engineer or do the mathematics behind your risk factor. This by far, if you take anything away from this webinar, this is your most important step is to structure the trade, your risk reward, in such a way that you can take two or maybe three losses, but with one gain, you're making back most of your losses. And our goal is not to make back the money, our, our goal is to follow the process, but we're gonna have stops. So I don't need to worry about getting stopped out, I just need to worry about waiting for the trade to, to come up. The next piece we have, on our thing is so we've sized our rotations we've talked about rotations that beat that to death what is reasonable structure to lean against so let's look at that for a second so here's here's a trade that's set up earlier so what we have here is a market that pushed and formed the initial balance the initial balance is the first hours high and low it's another market generated level just like the RTH VWAP, RTH mid, full session VWAP, full session mid, okay? So all of these are generated by the market, just like the volume profile that you see here, which is incredibly jagged today. Um, are, so we, we've, we've done an hour, so I'm looking for a trade off of the market generated levels, okay? That includes um, the overnight high, overnight low, and so on and so forth. So today, is the type of day where I just don't have setups. I don't really trade this kind of day. I'm not a breakout trader, so I have not taken any trades. But I'm going to be watching how this market treats the IB. So it pulls back. It, you know, I'm looking for structure 
So every time there's a, these little bars that overlap each other, this, by the way, is a one tick by eight tick point and figure chart. I'm not, I don't use time-based charts. Like I don't use three minute charts, uh, five minute charts, 15 minute charts. I generally use Renko or point and figure. Why? Because I don't want a new bar to form unless the market moves. There are those who use tick charts, which means the market has to tick so many times before it forms another bar. There are those who use a volume bar, which means it has to trade so many contracts before it starts building a new bar. For me, it's PNF generally or Renko for intraday trading. And what I'm looking for is I'm trading is these overlaps. Okay, so let's take an example. The market peaks here and then it pushes higher. And now I'm looking to trade this peak. Let's just, this is not a setup. You know, the bias is correct. We're looking long bias. We've been looking long bias ever since this morning. It was very clear that the market is really initiative and is pushing. So today has all has been all about being long. Okay. But let's say I'm I'm seeing structure and I want to trade against it. So here's an exhaustion. If you I don't know if you can see it there, but there's a there's a um there's a big size at the top there. Let's see if it comes up. See that see that big dot there? See these big dots? This looks like exhaustion to me. This this uh, area here pushed up and it really ran it ran some stops and it fell back through. Any break above here sets up a scalp long for me. So that's one scalping setup that I'm discussing here. How do I take that scalp setup? I am monitoring how the market pulls back into this area. You can see there's another collision that took place right there. There's a little bubble right there. You can see it better on the heat map. But I'm looking for structure to lean against. So even if I got long, I know that it can go as far as here and my trade is okay. As soon as it spills below here, and forget this tail, as soon as it spills below here, I'm out. So what do the numbers look like? Let's say we trade right against the collision structure right there. At, uh, let's call it 4034 is the entry, 4034. The zipper structure beneath there is at 4030. The edge of it's around 4030. So to me, that is about a um, that is about a uh, four point risk. So boom, right there, well within my parameters. This is a trade that I can take. The bias is correct. Uh, the the risk is far enough. I can even expand the risk a little bit. What am I targeting? I'm targeting the peak. I'm targeting this peak right here, right? So the first thing I want to target is the IB, this peak. We're trading a pullback. We're looking for this peak to be taken. So I've got four points of risk times, that's supposed to be an R, times three contracts on the MES, okay? Um, and so I'm, I'm risking 12 points or 48 ticks. So this is... 48 ticks of risk right here. And then now I have to balance that. So the 34, so this is a 34, and I've got 42 as the target. It's really 42.75, but let's use 42. So I've got four points of risk. And if I get the target at 42, 
I've got eight points target, eight points of a target on risk off. That's not the extent of the trade. I'm not looking to exit everything at the trade because I expect the IB to, to be taken out. Remember, past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results, but historically speaking, the initial balance high or low is broken about 95% of days historically. So I expect that to be broken. What's my focus? Let's get some answers. Let's get some interaction here. What's my answer? What, what's my focus? What's my focus as I'm structuring a trade? What do you think as somebody who's been trading for 22 years, what do you think is my focus when I'm structuring a trade that I want to take? I can see there's a battle here. I can see it broke through. I can see it pushed, nothing to do. Oh, it's pulling back. I'm interested to get long. It's pulling it back against structure. I'm now starting to very quickly do the math. Uh, way my uh, and I can do that by the way by just saying oh I want to get in at you know let's go down I want to get in at 34 oh there's 34 where's my stop oh my stops at 30 I can see that one lot at 30 there that's my stop so if I put my order down here I've got my stop at 30 and then I'm going to look over and see okay what it there it is on the chart is that is that stop reasonable for this area? Yes, it is. Once it gets through the bulk of the zipper, it's probably going to fail and I'm not going to be a part of it. But what is the thing? Come on, answer me. What is the thing that I'm focused on as I'm structuring this trade? What do you think that is? Is it to make sure I don't lose? Is it to make sure that I get at least a scale out? Is it to catch the runner and hold it to new all-time highs in the S&P. What do you think it is? Come on, we only have nine minutes left. And I have a lot, lot of people saying, there are a lot of people saying risk. We have some people saying risk to reward, R factor, uh, mostly risk and risk to reward. Yes, so I'm looking to cover risk. And I cover risk by getting into this 42. So my goal is to get that risk off with a portion of my trade. So if I can take two of these three off, so the first one will be taken out at 16 ticks. That's just four points. So 38, as soon as I get in, 38. Where's the 38? Ooh, look at that. The 38 is right within that structure, right within this little structure here. So the 38 would be right here. Boom, it gives me the four points that I need on my first scale out. So as soon as I get filled on that scale out, I have a total of four points of risk on the S&P, 16 ticks. That's what's remaining. And then now I'm, I'm looking for the 42. If I get the 42, that gives me eight points return. So now I've banked 12 points, right? And, and, as soon as I have that, I can have a runner on, I can relax, there's no stress, no big deal. And the goal is to then start to look for that extension. So if I'm trading at 40.34, I'm looking for my third fill, which is automatically at 40.54.75. I look at 54.75, what's out here? Hmm, what's out here? I, I, I don't really have a stock zone or anything. 
but I have key resistance on my stock zone, on my plan. And so as soon as I get filled, I'm gonna push that last order to 65 minus a couple ticks, 64.50 right in this stock zone, okay? The stock zone, where does it come from? It comes from my homework. That's what I'm sharing with you in the trader bite in the morning. So I have nothing here. Why should it stop at 40.54.75? If it clears, clears 40.50, then I should get paid. And I'm looking to get paid at 40.65, the next stock zone. And I front run that by a couple of ticks. So I'm getting more than, than 3R for this trade as part of the structure. And I'm risking 48 ticks. That's how it works. So really, I'm just looking to cover risk. My focus, my entire existence as a trader is to get in, lean against something. That's what we're leaning against. This It has to break through, eat through a lot to get to my stop. So what do I want to buy this? Well, where where's this going to, you know, here's a pullback. Oh, I just bought this. It pulled back. I'm looking. Okay. But what's to stop it from falling through? There's not much here. Look at that. There's a there's a there's kind of a canyon there that it can get through. Like it's very easy. There's no structure here, right? I'm up against resistance. There's no structure there. Why am I trading there? I need to have something to lean against. I need to have structure to lean against. Another spot right here with risk being defined. Bias is long. I'm trading the pullback on an impulse. I'm trading the top of this. I can I can risk the four points. I expect that there's nothing in the way. I expect to get my four-point scale. I expect to get my eight-point scale. And now I'm managing a runner. That's how it works. I didn't take any of these trades because I've been tied up all morning. Uh, I wish I I wish I could, but this is the kind of thing that I have to consider as part of this portion of the talk here. What is a reasonable structure to, to lean against? What have I used? I'm using rotations. I'm using proper R factors, doing the math of risk reward to make sure I get rewarded well when I'm right. Uh, I'm uh, reviewing where my, given the rotations, given the amount I'm risking per trade against my account. Now I am reviewing the structure that I want to trade. I'm just sitting around waiting for the market to give me structure to trade. I see the setup. I get long. If I got long real quick, if I got long, where's my risk? Where's my reward? And I'm able to do that through the platform, through a strategy trade. As soon as I, as soon as I click somewhere, it gives me these lines and it tells me, okay, uh, looks like my stop is down here. All right. My entry's here. Okay. My targets are within range and my extended targets are, okay, cool check done right now let's move forward and talk about identifying our sell setup and stocking the trade so most of the time we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting why because we're waiting for the market to give us a setup within our support resistance structure what a lot of people do is they get in and they are really looking for a trade. I'm not really looking for a trade. I'm simply following a process. So here's a market that just opened. Let's widen this out. I want you to watch these bars right here, okay? So I can see the market is opening. It is opening at the upper end of the range, okay? 
it's opening near the overnight point of control and I can see it is pushing, it has immediately pushed away. I can see it's holding. So this is the anatomy here. It's holding the uh, RTHV weapon mid. It's showing some respect there. There's a reasonable amount of buying interest here. Keep driving, okay? We, we pulled above the prior day's high. That's this green line. We've pushed this stock zone that's been here for a while, the 4,000 level. So I need to lean. My first setup here is to lean against this structure. Am I going to get something where I can lean against that structure? Nope. It's a runaway market. You see how the bars are going off the screen? There is no such thing, right? So I'm waiting some more. I'm waiting for it to test another key area or to create a short-term scalp type structure for me to lean against. Has it done so at this point? We got to the magnet, we got to the target that we talked about uh, pre-market 4015. That's the purple, that's a key, key level in this area. We've got to the magnet. Okay, does it fail from here? It looks like it may be putting in an exhaustion structure and it's going sideways. Nope, no such thing, no such luck. It is continuing. If I wanted to get long, where am I getting long? Chop, 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 run. And see how it's respecting these stock zones. These stock zones are built on, stock zones are built on volume profiling structures, price action, support resistance, classic, avoid, uh, 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 price action structure and then so I'm not looking at candlesticks I'm not looking at the you know three soldiers or whatever I'm not interested in that I don't buy that because what if you're looking at a, on a 15 minute bar why does it matter that it closed here on a 15 minute but a closed here on a five minute I don't I don't it's not valid for me so I'm looking at volume profile which doesn't change doesn't matter what periodicity you're looking at volume profile is the same the amount of volume that traded at a price doesn't matter how long you hung out there. It's the same, okay? Uh, price action, I'm looking at bigger picture price action, but I'm also looking at short-term price action because that operates in fractals. And you can see that it's really battling these stock zones. You see how it's kind of stalling out or turning at these stock zones. So this creates an opportunity. So maybe the whole day is about it hitting a structure, coming back towards a predefined stock zone, giving me some structure to, to trade against right here. That's what this is all about. Giving me a target to measure my performance, my R factor against, and finally giving me a chance to trigger the trade. So this is the trade that we set up at 40.30 or so. Uh, and and you know the test of the IB, and a continuation. So, so far today, this market has, has had very poor counter rotation. So look at how it rotates up. This is measuring the up rotation. So this whole thing covered 23 and a quarter points and the pullback only had um, eight points. That's it. The next run had 16 and a quarter points. The pullback still a lot weaker. 11 and a half points. So the rotations are very positive. So if I scrunch this, you'll see that the white rotations after the thing started running 
are bigger than the red rotations. As long as that continues, the bias is higher. And it's, it's, it's continuing to be that up until this moment. In fact, this should be 27, not 29. So, so we have some pretty good questions here uh, related to this. Let's cover that. We've we've actually covered the hour. I, I'm not able to set up a trade for you here, but we've covered a lot. This is a lot of detail. This is more of like a one-on-one -on -one mentoring type stuff, but go ahead and hit me with your question. Yeah, Mitchell's asking, when you say lean against, do you mean support and resistance? And you did explain that briefly. Yes, he, he does mean support and resistance. The SOC zones uh, is what we use to convergent. That's what more I just went over. So when you're t talking about a day like today, uh, explain how, explain why you have less to lean against or there's less for you to, you know, structure a trade around on a day like today. Uh, there's, so there are things that are um, working and uh, that are, that are good about today's trade in that we know the bias is clearly on the buy side. So I've eliminated the idea that I'm going to get short anything, even though I have this very bright resistance that we're struggling against I'm not going to go sell that resistance in order for me to sell this resistance the market has to fall quite a ways and these rotations have to start breaking lower and counter rotating so that's one thing so I am only looking to buy if I'm gonna buy right people are like well you know buy the pullback buy the pullback okay so I just bought this pullback what am I leaning against down here what is it that what is it that's going to stop the market from pushing straight down? If I have structure like we saw earlier, if I have some structure that I can identify, and this is not great structure, and a lot of that structure shows up on the volume profile as a high volume node. To me, if I have something here, see what I'm trying to avoid, let me state it this way. What I'm trying to avoid is that I get into a trade, I get long and it just swipes right through. It just, it, just, it just blows right through. There's nothing there stopping anyone from just sweeping right through because you know I'm buying a recent low or something and there's, there's air underneath it. So what I'm looking for is some structure in the form of buying and selling that has occurred in an area where I know that there's likely to be, likely, to be better protection. Today is not such a great an uh, such a great example of that. There were some pretty good examples in the last couple of days, but let's look at this structure right here. So it impulsed up. So this is a little impulse right here. Okay, impulse up, and you can see that it's kind of rotating upon itself. You see that lot of bars. How many bars? I don't know, but there's a lot of bars there. So why isn't it just continuing to run through? Because there's activity occurring on the sell side that's absorbing or fighting the buying. And so these bars overlap each other. So there's a little bit of an auction going on here. And that creates what I call a zipper structure. Okay. This gives me, so if I took that zipper structure and I'm going to show you what happens inside. So let's take the zipper structure. So this is the impulse bar and I'm going to go to the bar behind it and I'm going to draw a profile until the next impulse bar. You see that volume in there? 
It traded 31,222 contracts. You see that volume profile? I am leaning, that's the structure that I'm looking for. There's enough there to protect my three lot in the MES in this example, for example. it's uh, There's enough here that I'm expecting that if anybody wants to sell, there's going to be some concreteness to that area so that it just doesn't, you know, I, I can still get stopped out, but what I don't want to have is I'm, you know, shorting the prior high where, yeah, this was a prior high. I'm expecting a double top, so I'm just going to sell the prior high. Or it comes up to the IB here, comes up to the IB and then it starts pushing against the IB and you're like, oh, that's a double top. I'm going to, I'm going to sell the double top. Right, so people think, oh, the double top shows resistance. To me, a double top is weakness. It's likely to break. So I'm going to sell the double top. What are you leaning against? What? Why shouldn't the market blow through there, like it did? There's nothing there that says that there's structure that I should sell against. So for it to break through there, it's it's got nothing. In today's auction, it's got nothing. So if the market kind of, if the market pushes up. And it comes back. So now I'm trading on the buy side with the structure. And I'm like, oh, it's consolidating. Let me just let me just get in here and just buy right here. What am I leaning against? I'm buying in the middle here. Why shouldn't it chop its way down? I don't have protection or I don't have any structure until down here. How much is enough? It just comes from the type of action that you're seeing. How aggressive are the up rotations that you're trading with? and so on and so forth. It's subjective in a way, and order flow comes into this. And I wanna talk about order flow, I haven't gotten through the material that I wanted to cover. So let's look at order flow for a minute. Two types of order flow. There's, there's the, the heat map, which shows us tick by tick where a fight has taken place. I scalp a lot off of heat maps. I look for collisions, I look for returns to collisions for small trades. I always trade with structure first. I'm always trading with context first, and then I'm leaning on, let's say we are currently here. So I'm gonna to go to my active chart, and I'm gonna to say to myself, okay, it looks, this looks like a blow off top, by the way. See how it's tapering pretty well, and it's coming right back. This looks like it's pretty much done to the upside. We're very likely to rotate back down into this 50, 46 area before the next leg. So keep an eye out if you're long, this is very likely to lose its, um, the sellers are, are really having a hard time moving price higher here. This is very likely to break lower. It doesn't set up a short trade for me yet, but I look at this, I look at this uh, chart to figure out where on the map I wanna trade. Oh, okay, I wanna get long and it looks like there's a fight here at 62, you know, 64 to 60 or so. I look at the heat map and I'm watching for, is there size in here? So this heat map's correlated with the DOM. So I can see there's some size at 6050. You can see the dark color. I can see there's some size here at 68. Only a small portion of it's a large block. 70 has a, a pretty big large block in it. Not much to work here, really, but 
if I wanted to, to get long, what I'm looking for is for the market to pull back, for something to go from being dark to being yellow, to being orange, to being red, to being maroon as the market comes down. And I'm looking for the market to trade that size. Let's say there's a 200 lot there or 300 lot. I'm looking for the market to come in and it collides. It just sweeps down into that. And what I'm looking for is once it collides into it and it comes back through, does it use that collision spot as support? So what this would look like is, see how this is black and it starts to get darker and darker as the market moves lower? This creates a temporary structure to scalp long against. And I'm scalping long because I wanna move with the direction of the bias. Yes, I can scalp short, but the opportunities are better on the long side that I can get a runner going, right? So as we move, you can see that this is getting darker. This is getting darker. And as it moves lower, I wanna see it collide, which it didn't do, okay? And what I wanna see is it either collides and bounces back up, pulls back and is not able to push lower and starts pushing higher. And I'm looking to get long as early as I can on that retest. Or if it pushes down into resting orders, collides, breaks through, comes back. And if, if that collision level now holds, now I'm looking for a scalp short. In this environment, I would not scalp short, but let's say it's a two-way market. I'm looking to, to, to trade short. I'm using that collision as an entry point. There was a beautiful one yesterday. I don't want to scroll back all the way to yesterday, but let me see if I can find one here. These occur all the time. This looks like, here. here's one, slightly. See this? Market pushes up, pushes up, pushes up, and then there's this sweep. There's a large lot sweeping up, and then it comes down, and this was black, and now there's size coming in here, and it, and it trades. Am I getting long here? Take a guess. Am I getting long here? Does this, does this fit what I described just now? There's a collision right there. Let's darken this. Let's make the big, see that collision? So I just made this very opaque so you can see it temporarily. See that collision, the 250 lot? Am I getting long here? Come on, come on, come on. We're over our time. Am I getting long here? Any answers? Lando? Still waiting on the delay. Hopefully people are funneling in here. That's a lot more delay than... Yeah, we'll get a bunch of them here and say, yeah, Sean's saying no. Am I echoey on YouTube? Should I leave your mic on? Um, okay, so I'll give you the answer. I'm yeah, we're getting more no's coming in. No, right, no. Because, yeah. because we don't have enough information here. I'm giving up price for better information. This is where it starts to get interesting. See this collision occurred, and then there's this bid that comes in. This is very, very common. Okay, and then we pull back and then we start to push up. As soon as we start to push up, see there's this lifting here. This is the place to trigger. I'm not waiting for that lifting. I'm seeing that the collision area held on a retest and we're breaking that high. This is a breakout long for me. 
from this point forward. Okay, so the, the trade would be the collision is at 40.56 quarter, retest to 40.56 quarter, and then I'm not getting into 40.58, and then I'm immediately looking for 40.62 to cover the, the, the four points I need to cover risk. I still have a, a risk overhang of four points on my other two lots. And then now I can look for the next area, which is 28 ticks automatically, right? So that's six and a half points. It moves six and a half points. So at 58, six and a half points is 64 and a half. I'm looking for the 64 and a half. Let's see if it gets it. There's the 64 and a half puts us in this. So this will be the second scale, okay? And then now we have the runner, right? And the runner is quite a distance away. I know this is a really key area, and so you're just managing the runner. So at this point, we would have a runner uh, continuing until it got stopped right back in the collision area, this, this, um, this 56. Oh, it never got to it doesn't look like it has come back to the collision yet because we're we're long from down here in this hypothetical right so this is a runner kind of sitting there waiting to go that's just a scalp long with the bias using collisions and order flow i need to cut this off here this is way way longer than it needs to be or was expected to be there was a lot i wanted to cover here managing closing the trade uh, the thing I want to leave you with right now, and I went into a lot more detail than I expected this has turned into really a course, um, is the focus on process. If you're a trader that is still trying to figure it out or you find that you're quite inconsistent and you're struggling, the problem is your process. You have not defined or identified a process that you follow. And I'm going to cover really quickly something that we covered um, within Convergent Trading Study Hall about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, which is the outcomes being independent for each trade. The outcomes are always independent of each other. And I wanna talk about process. So there's good process, good outcome. There's good process, bad outcome. There's bad process, good outcome. This is problematic for many traders because you just did something that isn't good and you got paid. This will cause many, many problems later on. Then there's bad process, bad outcome. Yep, you know, I did took a stupid trade and I got stopped out. I deserve it. And so traders tend to move away. Traders tend to be stuck in the bad process, good outcome box, or good process. And then they're trying to avoid good process, bad outcome. They're trying to do more homework to avoid bad outcomes. There is no bad outcome, really. There is no good outcome. There's just the result. Yes, we want to win. But your job is to stick with good process. You always want to be above the line of good process, good outcome, good process, bad outcome. You always want to stay above that line. You don't want to get into a bad process, good outcome. Very bad news for you because that's going to cost you your account eventually. You're going to move your stop or delete your stop or add to a bad trade. That's all bad process, good outcome making you believe that you can get away with it again. So you don't want to be in good process, bad outcome. This is the uh, widow maker for, for traders, okay? The bad process, bad outcome, naturally traders move away from that. Naturally traders avoid it. 
Your goal is to stay within the good process, good outcome, good process, bad outcome. The outcome itself is outside of your control. There is nothing you can do about the outcome, nothing. We don't know if a trade's gonna work or not, we just have to put it on. So it's all about good process. As a result, if you're trading randomly, meaning you don't focus on process, you don't have a repetitive process that you follow on key, very clear, well-described setups that you trade, then you have random trading. If you have random trading and you're sitting here managing or over-managing trades, which is one of the key, the, the, the biggest error for traders, if you have random trades and you're tra you're managing them randomly, oh, I went my direction two ticks, I can't, oh, looks like it moved four, four ticks and it's coming back to break even, let me close it. That's over-managing or randomly managing a trade. The combination of random trading and tr random trade management means you're just completely randomly lost. There is no way to troubleshoot that. If you gave me all of your statistics and I I volunteered a week to go through your statistics and your plan and you're trading randomly and you're managing things randomly, it's a complete waste of everybody's time. I can't help you. But if you're following a process and then you're setting the structure, the strategies like I show you with that three lot in the MES as we recommend, and you just keep your hands off, we know the trades are being managed um, consistently. You're following a process. Maybe the trades are being taken randomly, but now we can focus on the random trading. We that, But if it's random trading and random management, because you're intervening on trades, there, we can't fix that. It's, it's You'll continue to do that until you blow through your entire account, and then you need to refund or you need to quit and you know, you start thinking that it's a rigged game and nobody makes money in trading and you're bitter. But this is a really important part here. You have to build some sort of structure. You have to build the confidence in the structure. You build confidence in the structure by just focusing on the process, not whether you win or lost. Get rid of your PL on your screen. Doesn't matter what the PL is, focus on the process, right? So put enough money that you're willing to lose. We call that risk capital and just follow the structure so and then you know that understand market context layer in some basic order flow if if you want you can just do something very simplistic like fib pullbacks or something and then track your trades and then over time you'll start to see which trades pay which trades don't maybe i shouldn't trade the first hour of the day my statistics are very poor so you stop and so on and so forth and it's an iteration process you're looking to trade like a professional it's a very rewarding career if you can get through the pain of it could take years to get through the pain of it but people do a lot of things randomly and they're focusing on the dollars because it's easy to focus on the dollars on the screen versus their entire process i hope you gained what we had set out to gain at the beginning i know we don't have time for questions but if you recall Today's obje objectives and what we wanted you to absorb is a clearer look at a lot of the detail that goes into actually professionally trading and then taking the trades become easy, becomes easier once we have this structure. And I want you to walk away with a better feel for how much needs to take place. So hopefully one of the things that you picked up is uh, I, I really need to do more uh, to set myself up, you know, that's 
that's what needs to happen. That's what I need to focus on. Uh, and if if that's if that's the case, that I'm happy, and this is time well spent by you and me to um, to to get you closer to your goal. Okay, I encourage you, of course, to join Convergent. We talk about this stuff all the time. Our entire process is the same as what I use in my prop shop. We're bringing the same kind of focus in, and the idea is to to hone in on your performance and to trade as a professional. I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, if I didn't answer your question, I apologize. We ran way over the contents a lot more than I have time for. Good luck, and I'll catch you at the next one. Take care.